0: The danger will test you Better make it a light speed rescue Residents of Mariner Bay Welcome to the Sentai Truther Club I am your host Grav And with me is my lovely co-host Kennedy
1: Hello, hello
0: And today we are championing the ultimate, the most socialist Power Rangers we have seen so far, Power Rangers Light Speed Rescue.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's a funny way to put it, but you're you're not really wrong. I mean, we we had this sort of sense of command economy type. Stuff in some of the early seasons, and then that was slowly stripped away in favor of these more and more capitalist visions of the Power Rangers. And then suddenly, Lightspeed Rescue does a 180 and says, Nope, the Power Rangers are a government rescue corps paid for by tax dollars. And um, we live in Mariner Bay, which a lot of times seems to be this sort of veritable like socialist utopia around the edges.
0: Yeah, there's no police. And, like, it's just, ah, it's so good. I think, so for this season, I think they just abandoned the plot threads that we thought were going to make it more fascist and more imperialist than we thought it was, right? Because we thought that these were, like... Well, there's some
1: imperialism.
0: Some, but I would say that, like, (laughs) it's more or less, like, We're back on Earth, and it seems like the capitalists have jettisoned themselves off on that space colony, and now the socialists are running the governments and everything, and so, like, it's just capitalism on retreat now.
1: This is a little what I imagine it'll be like when the billionaires finally leave for Mars. You know? They're, like, all gonna take off, head to Mars... And then like 10 years later, Earth is gonna be like way better, like just leagues better.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's basically this timeline because we originally thought that this was gonna be on like the Kwasari planet. Over time, they were like, nah, actually, this is on Earth.
1: And yeah, it's a really interesting move.
0: Yes. And let's just let's just get into it. So we had the introduction episodes. So those episodes were Operation Lightspeed and Lightspeed Teamwork, which, of course, introduced the Rangers and introduced the Zords. Fantastic episodes. The strongest intro
1: yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. And, of course, you've heard our whole episode about this already, but just a really amazing pair of episodes. Honestly, what's even more incredible is that we made the executive decision to include Lightspeed Teamwork because we were kind of like, "Eh, it's a little like a two-part intro. But actually, Operation Lightspeed perfectly introduces you to the show. And if you didn't see Lightspeed Teamwork, you'd be fine. Like, they literally did a just brilliant one-episode intro. You can't believe how much stuff they cram in.
0: Yeah, actually, you're right. Operation Lightspeed is a 10. And Lightspeed Teamwork is, like, a 9. Which is, like, crazy, though, right? Like, that's insane.
1: It's, like... I I don't really want to do this because obviously that fucks with the format of our show, but I kind of want it to be like Operation Lightspeed is in the best and worst.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no, because like there's like episodes in here that are 11 out of 10. So it's like, insane.
1: (laughs) yeah, I mean, yeah, there's just so much good stuff to work off of here. So Operation Lightspeed kind of sets up this intro a little. And I think what's really interesting about this is that so at the end of In Space, we have the end of the Zordon era zordon dies and most of the villains are either they they either are killed or they turn good like rita and zed turn good Corone turns good etc but the point is is that all the villains are neutralized at the end of the zordon era at least in the immediate sense and you know it's obvious that probably there will be trouble again someday in the future but like things kind of end on this note lost galaxy they tried to kind of they couldn't decide if they wanted to fully move on, or kind of pick it back up. Like...
0: I think they- I know what might have happened. I can envision it. I can envision it. Yeah, go, okay. go on. Okay, so the end of the Zordon era happens, right? All of All of the big villains are gone. They can't, like, create evil out of nothing anymore. So basically they got to say, oh, well, since there's no evil on Earth and we're not getting invaded anymore, that means it's in space. So we got to build weapons and colonies in space and do imperialism there. And then like there's this huge labor struggle between capital and labor. And so labor is just like, fuck no, what the fuck? We could just spend all our money on like fucking social welfare and <laughs> right. helping everybody and all this other stuff. And the capitalists are like, no, we need to spend our money on the military budget and stuff. <laughs> so to sell their message, they invent Venture using open source technology that was given from the in space. Right. And then and then they had to market that message to the masses <laughs> So the billionaires not only jettison themselves, but they also advertise it intensely. Like, they'll put, like, advertisements on Twitch and shit, right? Um, Along with more union busting. Right,
1: right. (laughs) I like that theory. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so in terms of, like, the creation of the show, though, Lost Galaxy, they can't decide yet, it seems like. Are they moving on from the Zordon era completely completely? or are they still kind of tying things together. And so we get some small tie-ins in Lost Galaxy 2 in space and things like that. And it just seems like like I said, it's like it's like they weren't clear, do we do we make a clean break or not? Lightspeed Rescue they decided we're making a clean break. We're actually going to do it this season. We're just going to completely create a new setting, new characters, new problems and new ideas and we're going to run with it. Um and it's 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 just amazing, honestly. Like, it's just, it just opens up a door to a whole new side of Power Rangers. And like, people are sleeping on this season. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. It is. It is. Like, straight up right after we get put into an 11 out of 10 episode for me, Trial by Fire. Yeah. Like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely incredible episode with a message that is clear, precise, well done for all ages, entertaining. Just, oh my God, loved it. This was the Red Ranger episode. So yeah. basically, I mean, we can kind of spoil a little bit of my review, but this is, in my eyes, the evolution of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers season one formula right like they try to constantly like update it like oh should we keep it in high school should we not should we do something crazy and outlandish or you know should we like gear it more towards young adults and stuff and so yeah. they, they are now taking it towards the young adults and stuff but keeping it well grounded so now you you have like a bunch of like really attractive 20 somethings who are in these incredible positions and have these like quirky personalities and everything, mm-hmm. but are brave people who are Power Rangers and still get to set up messages that are relatable for all audiences. And r- really, like you see it in the in the opening episodes, but it starts here in Trial by Fire*. And yeah, before we even get started on the review for this, I do, I, I. Every, I feel like every season now we kind of talk a bit about the filler guide, right? And I I think this is where, like, this is the season where it all broke down. I think this was the season when we were like, oh, no, like, we're legitimately going to have to, like, review every season's filler in a couple of years after we've already done reviewing the seasons, right? So, I mean, we're going to be podcasting for a very long time. Yeah. So look forward to that. But, uh, yeah. Basically, the filler guide went from Operation Lightspeed, Lightspeed Teamwork, all the way straight to Cyborg Rangers. And then from Cyborg Rangers, I believe it went to Go Volcanic, I believe, or I think actually it went to Rising from Ashes. So th- there's you know, a like bunch that. of like yeah. episodes that it cut that I don't know why people didn't consider that this was needing to be watched because it's all character development it all develops every individual ranger and when you skip trial by fire riding the edge wheel of destruction and just go straight into cyborg rangers and then just go straight to rising from ashes you miss out on character development that's important to getting to understand relationships between all of the characters because everyone just seems like perfectly fine with each other and everything's like happy-go-lucky when realistically like I mean, that kind of sort of still is the case, but like they still have each individual character still has their own backstory that tells why they act the way they do,
1: yeah, I agree. Um, and it's really good stuff. and yeah, i don't I don't really understand why a lot of these episodes were cut from like the guides that we made this guide from. I know that we've we've talked a little bit about like the obsession with some of these like guide makers. On like, you know, we got to see every new, you know, Power Rangers lightspeed drill or whatever, you know, lightspeed circular saw and, uh, you know, clamp set. But we but we don't need to see the characters grow or change. Um, that's ridiculous. And this season, especially these are some strong characters. Now, we'll get into maybe some small critiques of the season. And one of mine probably will be just a little bit about the acting. But. Uh, these characters are strong overall, and it's really a shame to think that we almost missed some of the best character development, because these are great characters. They really are. Um, These are some of the best characters that we've had so far. They're really compelling on a lot of levels. They're good heroes, but they're complicated. Um, And, yeah, like you were kind of hinting at, we're we're getting back into that kind of type of storytelling where it's about the need of all of these people to learn to work together and trust each other and rely on each other's strengths and know their own strengths and weaknesses in order to win, which is very much like the first season of the Power Rangers and like the second season. And um, you
0: know what, too? Not only did this serve as character development for the Rangers, but it served as character development for the general. the general- And Viper. And Viper too. Honestly, like Viper needed Viper it. Viper
1: needed it. Viper yeah.
0: desperately needed it. When we
1: jumped, when we initially before we went back and added these, and we just jumped straight ahead. Viper's just hanging out around the base all the time with the bad guys, and they kind of treat her like she's important, but you don't know why. Yeah. Do why do we care about Viper?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I I think what one other thing I would like to mention about these episodes is that. I cannot stress enough that Trial by Fire is an 11 out of 10 episode, It's amazing, and we yeah. would have missed it. Yeah. And what this means, though, is that I'm, I want to see how this works for other seasons as well. I'd be interested to see how watching, revisiting those seasons and watching the filler, how that affects our viewing of Rocky and Adam in particular especially since a lot of people mm-hmm. tell us about the Rocky Pachinko episode as that being like a really pivotal I episode. I want to
1: see it, honestly, I do. Like, yeah, yeah. I really do. Anyway, um, that's a whole nother. And and I think also,
0: <laughs> like, for some, for some fucking reason, I saw a meme on the Power Rangers subreddit where someone was like, Adam is the real leader of the Turbo Rangers. And I'm like, what? Adam?
1: Like, what am I missing here? Adam was nothing in Turbo. You know, my memories of Turbo really tell me that the filler guide let us down on that one for sure. Because I remember having more fun watching Turbo in my watch as an adult, because I've I've rewatched some Power Rangers as an adult, as I've discussed before. Like, I remember having more fun with it than we had. And I just feel like, like, there was this episode in Turbo about them, like, entering like a boxcar derby and it's super funny and bizarre and like we missed that one I just yeah we got it we're gonna have to do some real revisiting of these guides. yeah I think <laughs> another thing
0: too I would like to it would be interesting to see if we got more Kendricks as well to see if that
1: helped Kendrix's plot a bit because I would have loved a Kendricks episode in Lost Galaxy and if there's one hiding in the filler and if anybody who listens to this show like knows it and is like, yeah, I know exactly what episode it is. Let us know because like we will watch it eventually. And I, I I wanna see that.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. I'd love to see more Kendricks. Um I think another thing too about Lost Galaxy is that I added the rookie in red episode because I was gonna take out homesick. Mm. And home the reason why I kept in homesick versus taking it out was because yeah, the the subplot with the 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 little kid was like not relevant at all. But it introduced, like, how the trans daggers worked with their zords or whatever. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's relevant. But then, for some reason, they took out Rookie in Red, which is a Kai and Leo episode that introduces the trans daggers. Yeah. So I'm like, so what? So, yeah. <laughs> that's what I was like, oh, no, this filler guide needs definitely needs some work. So just want to say that, like, the filler guide as it stands, as we watch, we will notice some things and we'll add based on how we feel, but we'll definitely revisit, like, we'll revisit the seasons and not watch all of the episodes, but we'll watch, like, the filler only and see if we, like, missed anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for enjoying this, our most meta episode of Sentai Truth Ever. <laughs> I mean, it's relevant
0: because it affects our no, review of Lightspeed.
1: It, it really affected this season. If we hadn't gone back and added these episodes, it would have been a, a very different experience. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, especially because, like, I mean, like you said, a lot of these early episodes, it's like we're getting this important character development. So, Trial by Fire, we cover more in depth than our best and worst. Um, next up, though, was Riding the Edge which is like kind of a Kelsey episode. And I again, another don't like really like
0: this one much.
1: It's this one's like a 7 at best, honestly.
0: Yeah, cuz Kelsey's <laughs> whole thing is like, "I'm crazy. I take risks." And I'm like, "All right." <laughs> 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 like, no, like, she she does some, like, problematic shit. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. she is not a role model. You do not want to be a Kelsey. She was, like, rollerblading. She went to go save someone's pet that was out in the street, rollerbladed, picked it up, saved it, turned around and waved while rollerblading backwards across the street and almost got hit by a truck. And then she's like, what? What? Almost got hit there, T. hee My life could have ended, T. hee Whoopsie, <laughs> I'm crazy. That's my personality.
1: There's... Yeah, spoiler, Ke- Kelsey is one of the weakest characters this season.
0: <laughs> I think there's someone who's weaker. I do want to say it kind of also introduces the friendship that's between Kelsey and Chad a bit
1: as well. Yeah, and even if Kelsey's character alone is weak sometimes, their friendship is really, like, a strong thing in this show. Yeah, also,
0: you've got to get used to a bit of, like, PDA. They, they are very physical. Like, all of the Rangers are just extremely chummy.
1: Yeah, they just, like, sit together on the couch, like, put their arms around each other, hug each other a lot. And none of it um,
0: none of it, seems, like, really creepy at all. Like, you do not get those vibes. It doesn't come off across the screen at all. Um,
1: they no, just, yeah. It's,
0: they're very, very close. And it's, like, not in a sexual way
1: at no, all. No, not at all. It's, a- like, pure, anything, it,
0: pure, like, friendship and love.
1: If anything, it feels a lot like what I feel like they were trying to represent here in a lot of ways, which was, like, this. this season is more about like sort of rescue worker type mentality. And it's like, you just kind of felt that sort of like, um, you know, camaraderie that you would sort of imagine would ideally exist in like those places, you know, where like firefighters and shit, like they do these dangerous missions together and then they come back and they they have a beer and they hug each other and they go, man, I love you. And, you know, like just, you know, they they're, they're like they're like siblings a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, in in good, you know, in in ideal situations, obviously, it's not always like that. But like I have a friend whose brother is a firefighter who is very much in a situation like that. And, you know, they spend a lot of time together and, you know, they have cookouts together and it's like they're a family. And you just get that vibe from the Rangers this season. Um. And that's really cool. Like sometimes you kind of get the impression that the Rangers in various seasons don't necessarily like it like each other that much and wouldn't necessarily hang out all the time. Lost
0: Galaxy would never. (laughs) Would never.
1: Ever. Damon never hangs out with those guys again, right? Like afterwards? No. He just he never speaks to any of them again. No. No. Damon (laughs) doesn't
0: Damon doesn't like acknowledge them in public.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I don't
0: know you. Sorry. Like
1: you know how John Cusack won't talk about Con Air? Anyway. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you really get the impression that like these Rangers are going to be friends after like for the rest of their lives. They they care about each other like their family. Yeah. You know, if 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 one of them came in and said, hey, I'm just having like a personal problem. Everyone would just instantly step up and we see that in the show. So,
0: yeah. Wheels of Destruction is a Viper focused episode and it also introduces their light speed cycles which mm-hmm. much like the shark the shark cycles from mighty Morphin power ranger season three it's it's motorcycles they go really fast vroom vroom and they look cool as fuck and in this case it's actually useful because these rangers can't teleport because they don't have the technology to teleport so it makes sense that they have motorcycles you know yeah that that's that's yeah. cool right because like I mean yes. I like no, motorcycles. I, I... Like
1: I, I like common yes. rider motorcycles, <laughs>
0: right? I'm not anti, I'm not anti Sentai motorcycles.
1: All right. No, you're really making a great point here. Um, but if yeah, I the have the that...
0: ability to teleport, why would I use a motorcycle? Well,
1: and then they don't. That's the thing. Like consistently in previous seasons when they got like the various motorcycles, they just like don't use them because they can teleport. <laughs>
0: Yeah, unless they want to <laughs> purposefully run Kimberly ragged for that yeah. one episode. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Why can't we just teleport? I um, have to fucking practice my gymnastics.
1: Wheels of Destruction isn't like the strongest episode necessarily again, but I-, I do think it's important because, again, we don't know that much about Vipra before this. And if you skip this, you'll just reach this point where it just seems assumed that she's important, but you don't know why. Um, she's kind of a weak villain in general, which I think I'll hold off on talking about that more until later. But at least this episode gave you an insight into like what she was about, a little bit of feeling that, like, oh, she is she she is powerful enough to like care about, you know,
0: yeah. Vipra the pro this is the only problem with Vipra her acting. <laughs>
1: And unfortunately, it is a big problem. <laughs> the acting this season. All right, I said I would talk about this a little later. I guess it's this this is the time. The acting this season is a little tough. This is one of the few things that I really have to complain about. Um, I, I
0: only have a the, a problem with two characters, and one of them's Viper. So far,
1: honestly, all the characters this season at times are a little bit it's like a little too performative or something it's like a little too like daytime soap opera and actually that works like really well. yeah i was gonna say times. like no i i, I want to say i think it actually works really really well at times um like the level of acting like fits the show like perfectly at certain moments and i kind of like the vibe that like at this point power rangers is kind of this action soap opera for children is like what you're getting off of a lot of this season. So I want to I mean, that's what it was to me. I'm not, I'm not against all of the soap opera acting. It's just that at times it kind of is like, oh, oh God. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I only have a problem with two of them. And I know who you're going to say. Yeah.
0: And so far yeah. it's Vipra. And yeah, this is, and I, 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 I struggle, I struggle to talk about it a little bit because it's like, Vipra is uh, an Asian actress, and, like, the way she acts, you kind of want to expect Rita Repulsa, especially since she's the initial villain, right? Because the rest of them are kind of like, oh, this is the the Japanese demon in a suit or whatever type thing, right? right? Like, you're not supposed to relate to that villain at all. But then here's the human villain that you're supposed to relate to, Right who's supposed to be yeah. all-powerful and stuff, right? Like Trakina, Astronoma, Divatox, so on right. and so forth. Even Zed, he has a humanoid form. But instead, what we get is Astronoma
1: acting in Goldar, like, level position. I mean, even worse, honestly, acting. <laughs> like, it's... Astronoma nails first half. Episode. First half of In first Space. First half, especially, Yeah. Was like, she nailed some of the episodes there. Viper's like second half astronomer, just very, extremely wooden.
0: Nah, I'm gonna say she's episode one astronomer. She's the <laughs> I will get the Power Rangers, you know, that type of level acting.
1: Kind of, yeah, I they guess. Will yeah, I don't It's
0: The wrath of Viper,
1: <laughs> yeah that that's just a weird thing i mean i don't think it's absolutely necessary for the main villain to be the most human looking one um and like i mean lost galaxy kind of split the difference here and i thought the villain stuff in lost galaxy was overall fine and i think that like that was like a fine move but but it was i don't know there was just (laughs) yeah uh i mean like if we compare it to
0: like other good seasons right like, let's just say in space, you had Ecliptor was probably the best villain that wasn't necessarily human, but it had a humanoid figure, you could say. Yeah. So it was kind of sort of relatable. But I mean, like, that still had Darkonda. Darkonda was cool. So, yeah. Like, I guess, but, like, my thing about it was, like, still, the most relatable villains that we've seen have all been, like, the humanoid ones to... To have this season, to have the main villain be this, for the most part, a statue or a visage and then turn into a monster at the end of the season and for Viper to just be
1: this, like, I don't know, like, mob boss levels of difficulty? Yeah, she's just a lieutenant. But she's in the opening credits, like, she's the thing. It's just a weird... The villain stuff this season is a bit of a letdown. And it's but not anyway. like,
0: I mean, like, we uh, could have added more filler, like, right? Like, we could have gone and, like, probably added some more. But to be honest with you, we've already watched 29 episodes yeah. out of 40. And she yeah. was in most of them, you
1: know? Yeah.
0: So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just think um, it's the acting. I just think it's the acting. Um, This
1: episode also had one more important thing in it, which is um, a continuation of the surprisingly crucial to the season. Will Joel be able to win over Miss Fairweather plot? (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't think I ever get too tired of it because like the minute I get too tired of it, Joel himself gets too tired of it. And then he says it out loud on the screen and I'm like, thank you. And then they address it right then and there, and I'm like, oh, so it's not a problem at all. Cool.
1: It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good like B plot, honestly, throughout the season. It's will they,
0: won't they? T. Yeah,
1: like it's well, the Power Rangers has often had like some kind of humor element, you know, that or like various humor elements that sort of help guide it in like the downtime and like give a little bit of comedic relief to things, and rather than just going for something like really out of place which we've seen before or just like very like sort of lowbrow and uninteresting and like not really fitting the tone like they they make this kind of like one of the major comedic reliefs of the season is like this like romance B plot they put all it, of I their sex a lot of ways they
0: put all of their sexual and romantic feelings that they would normally spread out for everybody and make it kind of weird. And they just put it all within these two characters and that's it. Yeah. And the fact that they're not on the team together means that they don't have to have any like weird team dynamics on screen either. Yeah. So like you don't even have to worry about that because everybody else is just in a platonic friendship. They don't date. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Chad and like, what's her name? Kelsey? Yeah. Chad and Kelsey might have, like, a, oh, you know, if we haven't been married and have kids by the time we're 40, let's just go ahead and do it as friends, tee-hee.
1: Or it might be the kind of thing where they're just kind of, like, both in their minds, like, maybe I would, but not till we're out of this dangerous lifestyle, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a, actually, that's a good point. Yeah, because, like,
1: they they are- Chad especially gives that energy.
0: Yeah, Chad Chad's, like, uh, <laughs> first of all, Chad is very much- a Chad, Whew, uh, smoking this season. Not only it looks <laughs> probably the best character that doesn't get enough screen time. Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, like Chad especially, I think is like the one that kind of gives me like I'm kind of into Kelsey, but I just don't think it's the right time right now. Type deal. Yeah, you know, because I was thinking that, and then I saw that I was that they that Kelsey was just like. Yeah, like even Kelsey was kind of like, "Yeah, I'm kind of into this, but like I can't like we're we're kind of like really risking our lives and we don't have time for this type of stuff." So, yeah. And you see that um later on in the in the in the ne- in the episode after Kennedy's pick for one of the best episodes of the season, which was Cyborg Rangers.
1: I loved Cyborg Rangers. Obviously, we talked about this in the previous episode, so I'm not going to drag it out too much. But I thought that this was a fun and interesting episode that really added some weird lore to the season. And uh, it was also just like covering labor issues. Yeah, there was kind of like this, this labor issue aspect to of it. And also like, what what do we do when technology fails us? It was almost like a Black Mirror episode of the Power Rangers <laughs> and,
0: and on top of that, yes, yes, actually, you're right. And on top of that, it added, like, the Rangers had a good answer to the automation, which was, okay, well, if we have Cyborg Rangers now, we can all work together, and we have double the power to, yeah. like, work together. And instead, they're like, no, we're just going to replace you, and that's it. And it's like, what the fuck? But then when they realize, like, shit's going down and shit's in trouble, instead of just being like, They're at first, they're like, ah, fuck them. You know, the cyborg rangers can do it. But once they see like trouble, like escalating from there, that's when they get in the fray and they don't just go, ah, fuck them because they realize that people's lives are at stake and that people could die from this because they're, you know, power rangers instead of just going, you know, ah, well, (laughs)
1: looking at you, Lost Galaxy it's an episode where like in the past they've tried to sometimes do episodes like this, but they don't tend to fully sort of reveal and explore all the implications a lot of time in the past. And they just sort of hack it together and figure it's a kid's show. All we have to do is kind of drop some hints at a story and that's enough. Um, And I, I appreciated this because they, they really took the time to explore the full idea of what does it mean to have these robot power rangers. Is this a good idea? Um and ultimately they decide no we shouldn't be drone striking Syria. Uh it's not actually it's not actually a good way to do things. <laughs> so I really like that episode. But uh but again, you know, we have a whole episode we talk about our best and worst. So if you want more of that you probably already listened to it. And if you didn't get on it. Uh, after that we had um up to the challenge
0: the uh, chad was,
1: episode. Uh, yeah, this is like before it was like Kelsey more so with a little Chad and now it's flipped. It's more so Chad with a little Kelsey this time. Yeah, that's um, when
0: you this is when you really get those vibes of their relationship and I'm like, "Mm, okay."
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely if if you wanted to read into that subtext that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, this would be the episode for it. Yeah. I love this episode.
0: This is like a karate action flick in twenty minutes. How could you not like this episode?
1: Yeah, Uh, it's very enjoyable. This one's at least an eight. It's really solid. Um, Yeah.
0: Uh. Realistically, the only fault is the what they do for like special effects on the white guy in this episode. So they have (laughs) a bully. This kind of they explore toxic masculinity in the adult age. In uh light speed be rescue because what ended up happening was this guy got really jealous that there's a man that's out there that's probably stronger than him and has been selected to be the power rangers and he mm, has man. a toxic girlfriend who's like
1: yeah you tell him
0: <laughs> you're stronger than a power ranger don't let them don't let them take your dick out in front of everybody <laughs>
1: You know what, I changed my mind. This episode's a nine, at least. (laughs) I forgot forgot how fucking good this was. It's so good!
0: So then, the white guy, the mediocre white guy, gets full of himself. And he sees the Blue Ranger out in the wild. And the Blue Ranger is just straight vibing. And he's all like, yo... Let's fucking fight. Let's fucking go, bro. Let's fucking go. (laughs) What? Come on, Morph. Morph, show me what you got. Show me what you got. And Chess is like, "Uh, dude, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, just (laughs) shut the fuck up. Go home. You're going to embarrass yourself. (laughs) You're going to embarrass yourself. Just go home. And he's like, nah. Nah. And he takes off his fucking leather jacket and shit. He's like... (laughs) <laughs> why is it so love this shit and he's like let's fucking chad's,
1: go chad's got straight up fist of the north star energy and he's Chad... like he's like my technique has never been beaten and never will be yeah <laughs>
0: like... Yo, this this is like <laughs> this is, like, true, like, I was like, okay, what was the difference between this and, like, Trini-type shit? And the difference is, is that, like, this is, like, true, like, Asian appreciation without, like, being racist about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Asian culture?
1: Yeah, well, because he's not, like, he's not like, haha, it's my culture to know kung fu and defeat you or something weird. He like, genuinely
0: has an interest in martial arts. And it conveys on screen. And you know what? It fucking paid off. And you want to know why? The reason why it paid off was because the on-screen action was fucking sick. It was insane. Chad was whooping ass. It was a karate movie. There was no like fucking said, strings attached. None of that shit. No, this no. This motherfucker was a, this just good like, shit. Just some good fucking martial arts, man. Oh, so good. And then and then the white boy goes, All right, I'm gonna join the Leagues of Viper because I have a hatred for the Blue Ranger. <laughs> Cause I he pulled my dick out in front of everybody. <laughs> And it was and embarrassed. Small. Myself.
1: <laughs> Chad was packing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And so he gets like this power up from Viper. And he gets some uh, minions from Viper, which I don't like the design of the minions, but the minions are actually pretty powerful this season. So I digress. Mm-hmm. It's kind of neutral. But the uh, yeah. he gets a bunch of minions from Viper and he gangs up on, on the Blue Ranger solo while Viper wreaks havoc on the town for the rest of the Rangers. And Chad doesn't even fucking morph. Chad doesn't. Even morph to the blue rager to like I said, beat
1: his ass one on one. It's complete fist of the North Star energy. Chad is just standing there staring you down, going, My martial arts are superior. Yeah. And 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 this dude is like, no, they're not. And Chad's like, yeah, they are. <laughs> and he like, doesn't even morph. Just beats his ass. Yeah, and you know what?
0: As much as I don't like the white boy's design uh, when he gets the power up, props to the white boy for not being that fucking shithead who loses a fight and then calls up his boys to, like, fucking, like, you know, jump or whatever. He just calls it off after that. He's like, all right, I'm on the side of good now. Let me use my powers for good. This episode is great. It's a 10. Like
2: it's a ten.
0: It's it's a it's a twenty minute karate flick with like action, suspense, thrills, laughs. It has it all, and that's saying something because it's not in the best ep- best and worst episodes, which really tells you just how fucking fantastic this season is. This season,
1: the next episode. This too. episode
0: was gonna get cut, by the way. This episode yes. wasn't in the original version of the filler guide. But yes, go on.
1: The next episode, also totally wild action movie nonsense. Maybe not quite as well realized, <laughs> but still really fun. Uh, Go Volcanic is just this bonkers situation where it's like you kind of end up in this like speed bus hostage Situation yeah
0: <laughs> this is a power Rangers version of speed
1: and there's there's a volcano that's gonna blow up it's just a, it's just a so i don't even so
0: this was <laughs> this episode was originally cut again, and this was the arrival of Queen Bansheera, who we barely even like got like two senses about before its arrival in it Rising from Ashes. So, yeah, I decided to include it. And yeah, guess what? It was also Pog.
1: The hint this whole time has been that, like, the the villains we've seen are this sort of advanced force. And they're here, like, getting things started. And the real villain has yet to arrive, and that's Queen Bansheera. And this is, like, the beginning of a two-part thing. It's not, like, a formal two-part episode, but it's a two-part sort of cycle that introduces the fact that queen bansheera is like gonna be present and like kind of at least it's weird
0: <laughs> yeah just another good one um i don't think it was as good as like up to the challenge or or some of the other episodes but i definitely think that it was like still had its great moments um, and it was
1: just fun to watch it yeah. was kind of kind of zany and out there, but it was really enjoyable. At the end, the criminal that hijacked the bus ends up turning good. Everybody in this season just turns good after they meet the Power Rangers for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, they're really wonderful people.
1: Um, Be fair.
0: Yeah, for sure. In Rising from Ashes, Queen ben resurrects two monsters from the past and gives them great power. When the Lightspeed Megazord is not enough, the Ragers must summon Miss Fairweather's newest creation, the Super Train Megazord, which is created by combining the Rail Rescues.
1: When the Zords come out normally, this train comes out and it like delivers out of these much larger train cars, these Zord trucks, basically. Joel's is a plane, but they're all basically trucks. It turns out that those train cars that deliver the smaller Zords can make a bigger Zord.
0: Yeah, and this is pogged as fuck. This was the episode that I was talking about that had multi-track drifting, because when the Lightspeed (laughs) Sword rolls to the scene, it does some multi-track drifting. Amazing stuff. Great Zord, underutilized. They didn't advertise it much in the episodes that we saw. They used the Rescue Zord, more or less. And the reason why I'm gonna guess is that it's an escalation issue. Remember
1: how power rangers only escalate
0: depending on the threat? It's Uh, so
1: fucking big.
0: Yeah, it is a really huge zord, and it is pretty powerful. It has like fucking a missile barrage system in its fucking fist. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: and I'm sure it costs a lot of taxpayer dollars to be busting out like that too. Oh yeah, every
1: every time you use it. Really expensive compared to the lightspeed Zord.
0: Contrasted <laughs> contrasted to uh Common Rider Zero One, huh? Right. They're very conservative with their usage of the, the Super Train Megazord, understandably. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> After that, we get from Deep in the Shadows, which begins our introduction to having a sixth ranger.
0: Before we added the filler episodes, this was a contender for like best episode of the season. We we really we really like this one. Um, Yeah. So they invented an experimental morpher called the titanium morpher, and they were originally using it on Carter, the Red Ranger, and Carter couldn't handle it.
1: Yeah. So Dana and her father, you know, they've hinted a little bit at this brother that something tragic happened to you.
0: Yes. And I think that this is where the major Dana backstory happens. There is a Dana episode that's supposed to serve as character development earlier on in the season. Uh, It's called A Matter of Trust, and it's not good, and it doesn't have long-lasting effects on the relationship between the... uh the general and the daughter. It just more or less like the general's like, I'm playing a prank on you, bro. Ha 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 rather than playing yeah. it straight and just telling her like what's really going on. And she's like, Dad, can you please just tell me the truth next time instead of putting my life in danger? And he's like, Okay, tee. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. So that so I really think that the character development for Dana and her dad happened in from deep in the shadows.
1: Yeah, for sure. Captain Mitchell was Driving drunk. And uh, I'm I'm adding the drunk part. This is my implication. <laughs> and uh, he was on a, a rainy road. And a semi was coming over the line. And he his car goes barreling off a cliff. And he's barely able to grab the kids. And sort of bail out of the car. But they still end up hanging from the edge of this cliff. On like this tree root. And he's trying to hold on to both the kids, but Ryan, his son, is is like hanging on to his shoe, and that's that th- that is just an obviously fucked situation. And so Diabolico shows up suddenly, and Diabolico is, like,
0: hey. is kind of uh, Satan, right?
1: He does kind of he offers some very obvious devil's bargains, so. <laughs>
0: Um, or at so least Diabolico- like a, a lesser, a lesser equivalency, but like a Satan esque sort of character, because yeah. there is like demons that are more powerful. But it seems like even Satan has morals, though, <laughs> or at least has a yeah. code of ethics. It's more like a thieves guild sort of demon,
1: demon deal pact. So Diabolico shows up and he's like, "Hey, I'll rescue your son, save him from death, but he's mine. I'm gonna raise him how I want." And Captain Mitchell's like, what That's fucked? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't I don't agree to this. And Diabolico is like, yeah, we'll see. And then Ryan, of course, slips off of Captain Mitchell's foot. And as Ryan is falling, Captain Mitchell's like, fuck it. I take your awful deal. And Diabolico's like, fuck yeah, dude. I got your son, I'm out, and takes off. This has just been haunting Captain Mitchell ever since then, apparently. But that also means that simultaneously Ryan has been being trained in this like astronomer like way, you know, to like believe that all of all the people that were supposed to care about her failed her and all that, like the way that like they would kind of like brainwash her with that stuff. Like it's the same kind of stuff is going on with Ryan. What if astronomer,
0: but sixth ranger?
1: Yeah. Oh, Uh.
0: except here's the thing, right? (laughs) As much like, I love this backstory. It is very well acted. It's absolutely tragic and fucked. Captain Mitchell's situation, speaking from like a father, as a fatherly front, very good acting. And I would probably respond the exact same way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, very good. And it seems like Dana and Captain Mitchell are both very relatable to this situation. This is probably Dana's... One of Dana's strongest episodes, probably second strongest as well, as she relates to Captain Mitchell's tragic backstory as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I I, agree. I I, I like it a lot, but we also got to talk about a little bit more about Diabolico because why does Diabolico exist, right? Well, we were talking about imperialism. Well, with the reestablishment of the USSA, the capitalists retreated over to Europe and various parts of Africa, and so on and so forth. And, of course, you still have poachers and imperialists and so on and so forth who want to reap raw resources from around the world. And so they're still plundering anything they can, and they seem to have disturbed an ancient, what seems like Egyptian tombs and stuff like that, Yu-Gi-Oh style type shit. (laughs) Honestly, it's straight up Yu-Gi-Oh style shit. Edso releasing Diabolico <laughs> into the world yeah. along with the rest of the demons. But yeah. the big weakness for the demons is dun, da, 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 water. water, which is why their military base is underwater.
1: And God, it's a cool base. <laughs> yeah,
0: it is a really
1: cool base. It's a really cool base. <laughs> I think that this was like on
0: all fronts, like all things were firing on all cylinders. Carter was being a fucking leader this whole time when Titanium Ranger shows up out of nowhere in this episode. And he leads the team to try and take on the Titanium Ranger uh, because the, the Morpher was stolen in the middle of the night. And the Rangers end up, like, pretty much got the Titanium Ranger on the ropes. Yeah. They've got the the shot, and they've got, like, shoot to kill right now, essentially. He is a threat. He is working under the demons who want to destroy Mariner Bay. This is a shoot-to-kill situation. And uh, they're asking Captain Mitchell, do we fire? And when uh, Carter's anticipating a fire, Captain Mitchell hesitates and then says, no, don't do it! (laughs) When they're about to do it. And uh, guess what, guys? The Power Rangers don't do it! Yeah. Because they fucking listen. And they do the morally right thing. And then Captain Mitchell goes, that's my son.
1: That's Ryan. To be continued. And Dana's like,
0: to be continued.
1: We go straight from that into the part two of this arc, which is Truth Discovered. And this is when um, we get
0: it to the fact that unfortunately the Sixth Ranger is ugly and not only ugly he can act.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Everyone is hot this season. Everyone is hot this season. Except for the Sixth Ranger.
0: He is a Backstreet Boys <laughs> uh, background dancer.
1: He's an he's a extra straight off the set of hackers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. He's 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 one of the worst actors. It's just unfortunate because like he doesn't always to be clear, he doesn't always drop the ball. But when the camera is especially focused on him, you suddenly notice how much worse he is at this than everybody else. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I think they eventually realize this, too, as the season goes on.
1: And he gets a little better as the season goes on, also. Not like, by he, much, but yeah, he Not does. by a lot, but, like, he really sucks in this intro, honestly, a lot of the time. Like, his acting is just extremely D-tier. How cool would it have been if we had another
0: Tommy type? Like, that would have just... Oh, man.
1: I know. I, Bring that... Andros back again. Oh,
0: <laughs> oh, man. You know what? Actually, Andros as the Six Ranger would have also been a nice... A nice that would touch.
1: have been tug.
0: I I would have I would have been <laughs> like ah, ah, ah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I
0: faced so hard. Yeah. I mean they wanted to go for the all-original approach. We, we talk about mighty Morphin power rangers. I mean we we have our expectations on that stuff pretty low when we talk about that season because season one is like a six, season two is like a five, and then like Season three is kind of up there. It's kind of like seven or eight or whatever. But, like, you know, for every like Tommy, Jason, Billy, Kimberly, we all, and Zach, you know, we still have like Trini, Rocky, s- to some extent, Adam, a couple others. So Good. there's still like some mis- cast misfirings, but it's just like, what could have been, you know? But yeah. not, not everything is perfect. And, and that's just a part of humanity. Something. That these rangers cherish. Isn't it fantastic?
1: Yeah. Ah, so good. Sorry. Um, so the rangers in, in Truth Discovered, they fight with Ryan again at the same time. Captain Mitchell's trying to convince Ryan that his memory of things that Diabolico has taught him is wrong. And Diabolico is trying to reassure Ryan that no, 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 no. Captain Mitchell didn't care about you. He told me, I only care about Dana. Do whatever you want with my son. It's, wh- it's fine. You know, basically.
0: But Ryan, naturally, this the only credit I'm really going to give Ryan here that's a positive and not just maybe a neutral is Ryan naturally goes to the good side. The Rangers don't necessarily <clears throat> engage with him in the ideological debate of ideas, Right. Um, yeah. And he doesn't necessarily seek it. He thinks for himself and he naturally veers towards the course of good.
1: Well, and he doesn't just instantly become a ranger at the end of this episode either, which is cool. And yes. if you want to, I will say, too, if you want to give Ryan's acting some credit, he does a pretty good like thinking about things face <laughs> like when when he's supposed to look conflicted. He does sell that mm-hmm. Um, in these episodes. And that's that's important. That's crucial to these episodes. So. So yeah, so they they battle with him some more. Eventually Ryan is convinced that Diabolico has tricked his memories somewhat and he gives them the titanium morpher, but then he walks off and he makes it clear that like, you know, he needs to, he just needs to go do his own thing for a bit before he can even like be embraced by this family or be a part of this or anything, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that that's a really good ending because it really sells the emotional importance of all this stuff and uh even though it doesn't ultimately like there's not really like a long quest of ryan being away and discovering himself or anything like that i still think it was a really good way to end the episode with ryan just being like i gotta think about all this new information and just walking away you know
0: yeah and ryan's destiny and curse of the cobra and then pretty much strength of the sun cobra strikes these episodes more or less have to do with Ryan trying to turn to the side of good, but as he turns to the side of good, the Cobra tattoo that he has, which is like extremely like Bluth style for some reason. <laughs> he has a Bluth style tattoo <laughs> on his back that crawls up his spine and then bites him and it enlarges his prostate, leaving him paralyzed. So this development it's not good. And it's mostly because it's not bad. I don't think it's bad. I I want to give it the credit it
1: deserves and say that, like, I think that they do a pretty good job of, like, having this metaphor with the tattoo that Ryan, you know, he can't just step cleanly into the role of being a hero after being in this, like, world of evil for so long. Some aspect of it has to catch up with him, you know? And I think it's actually, like, a relatively good metaphor. Um, but Ryan's just not that great of an actor is the big problem, is one of the big problems. And then the other big problem is it just kind of drags on a little for a season where everything's been really snappy. This arc is kind of awkward and sluggish.
0: Yeah, and they're all relevant. It's not like they're not relevant to the plot. They all are as we discover how certain things work about the world and about Ryan and so on and so forth. But of
1: course, that's the other problem is it's like, it's kind of sluggish, but then at the same time, it's all we're focused on.
0: Yeah, it's it's the majority of the plot. There is no like real subplots of these episodes. There is some more like demon chatter in the background that happens, Uh, mostly about Diabolico's star power and it ends in the Cobra Strikes, where Diabolico's star power is transferred to Queen Bashira's son, Impus, and Impus then transforms. Impus's character, as he transforms, he turns into this, like, Charizard, Tumblr-esque, Final Fantasy-esque demon. And uh, really powerful stuff. Like, everyone's power level is pretty big on the villain front, except for Vipra. I don't understand how Vipra fits into this equation at all. But Impis and Diabolico have proven themselves to, like, unleash powerful demons. Even as a baby, like Impus has, like, contributed to helping create powerful monsters. Like, that was yeah. the whole point. Like, he was a powerful baby. It was going to transform into something very powerful as time went on.
1: And this was one of the only good sort of like villain B plots was like them kind of like debating over this, like, well, is Queen Bansheera really going to give this power to a baby like and like sort of scheming a little about that. But it never really flourished into like the types of like scheming amongst the villains that we've seen in previous seasons. That's been so fun. It was just kind of like halfway there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Olympius ascends is Impa's transformation into Olympias. That stuff's pretty pog. There's a big fight. Olympias like barely like gets out of there, but it kind of proves that Olympius is just strong on him on his own. And yeah. then they're all like, "Yeah, if we combine forces, we can definitely be unstoppable." Ah. And then you get the. Olympius really
1: does look pretty cool. Yeah. Olympias is really cool.
0: <laughs> the queen's return. Queen Bansheera, though, not a good villain, I would say. Like, for the most <laughs> part, like, when she talks to us, you're like, holy shit, she's coming. She is coming. It's like, uh, like Master Vile or something like that, where Master Vile's in the sky, and you're like, oh, Master Vile! Whatever, right? But yeah. uh, nah, Queen Bansheera comes back as, like, a statue. Like, they complete a ritual, and Queen Banshura is back to, like, bodily form. But by bodily form, they mean a statue. So Queen Banshura is now back. Unfortunately, though, the rangers interrupted the ceremony. So she's only, like, partially back, which is why she's a statue. And so Olympius swears vengeance on the rangers. Ryan decides that he's not going to, like, be a part of the rangers anymore. To go after the queen. He's going to go on like, he's going to do like black ops type shit. He's going to be a private military contractor for like a little bit. Yeah. He needs to like, you know, commit some war crimes as he goes to uh, figure out what's really going on in the world.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so we get into, I don't know, is this an 11? Is this a 12? The Omega Project.
1: This is a movie. This is this was the like the favorite that we pretty much were in total agreement on, I think.
0: Yeah, this is this is a movie. Like Yeah. It's like like a this beats most nineties action movies. And early two thousands action movies. This is almost as good as Super (laughs) Eight. Yeah, it's uh I've never watched that. I, I can't relate. Um, Uh I, 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 like, I struggle to think of, like, what to compare it to, uh, but it's just, like, non-stop action stuff's going on, important character development's going on, tensions are rising, all this stuff, and then they, they take the battle to space, and you're like, holy shit, and then their fucking, Zords transform into this, like, land walker mode, and you're like, what the fuck, Star Fox?
1: Corneria,
0: what? And you're like, ah, oh, it's nonstop.
1: Yeah, it's really great. And also, this is an episode where Joel gets a lot of development. And um Joel's a good character. And this was kind of just a really enjoyable thing. He's also probably the best actor this season. Carter? No, Joel.
0: No, I know, but like comparing him to Carter.
1: It's a I mean Carter's really good too. I want to give Carter a lot of credit as well.
0: I was gonna say, like, there's a lot of like S tier stuff happening. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. But
1: but Joel really kills it, like with the like he just really brings it to the character. He's this is the most alive, racially charged
0: episode, I would say. And not in like a, a negative way. This yeah. one is just like I'm not going to explain too much of the episode just because we've already reviewed it in the best and worst. But this definitely played up some, like, how race factors into society still as, like, society recovers. And, like, there's great strides that are happening. But Joel is still, like, of that mindset of just, like, please don't embarrass me in front of the white folk. Like, I really don't want to lose this job.
1: Yeah. And also, I think this is interesting because... This is the Rangers taking a step towards, like as a show, taking a step towards acknowledging racial reality, which is something that they've always kind of skirted before, where you have these characters that aren't white, but just kind of realistically act like, you know, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing really, uh, the only thing that this really contributes to is that I have a slightly unique culture compared to some of the other people around me or something like that. And they don't really talk about like, the idea of like living as a black person what that means or something like that. And this is like the first time they've come close to actually addressing that sort of thinking about like racial reality and like the way things are with that stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting.
0: This is a very big step up from, this is the evolution of like that liberal ideology of like, Ooh, like representation, no matter what. Right. Into like, Okay, no, let's like an- actually like put some sort of meta analysis into the world on like how it actually works, but in a family friendly way, and it's something again for all ages, you know, yeah, just fantastic episode, love it, must
1: watch must and it's, watch and movie. it's it's got some laughs in it, yeah, yeah, as much drama as they cram into this episode, they actually managed to make it a little funny too you got everything here it's just a solid really solid experience so after that it's as time runs out which i mean just kind of a it's just kind of a monster of the week episode it's mostly there's a little bit of like development of like the villain's internal drama though i guess it's the most interesting thing about it
0: yeah so basically Olympias betrays uh, Viper and Loki,
1: yeah, and Viper, and as a result, they they decide we're gonna bring back Diabolico.
0: Yes, and I think this is another Viper focused episode, but her acting's bad. Like this is yeah. what you just realize. Oh, actually, there is no hope for this character and getting better unless her acting gets better, because they're giving her screen time. It's just she's not doing much with it or she's overacting. So it's unfortunate. Yeah. But the, the inner demon politics is pretty fun. It's average episode or I think it was like it's not bad. It's not a bad watch. It's like a
1: seven. I, I I think um it's nice to have a little bit of inner demon politics always in this show. You know, have a little inner villain politics. I don't know. It's it's fun. It's just also not that remarkable. Yeah. Um, and then, like, a lot of those plots kind of continue into the next episode, um, which is interesting. You know, we keep mentioning this, like, this season doesn't really have a lot of formal multi-part episodes, but a lot of things carry over. So it kind of has that in-space feeling where, like, the things that you were doing yesterday still matter today. Um, and I do like that a lot.
0: Yeah, because Diabolico right. immediately returns with uh, another demon to help capture four of the rangers. Yeah. And Carter is left to face him and Olympus. And so it's it, it's looking like uh even though Carter is the remaining ranger, the villains can't seem to team up to defeat Carter because yeah. they are out
1: for each other's throats as well.
0: And they would rather see this person lose than see themselves win.
1: Yeah, and of course, this is a common theme on Power Rangers. It's one that I like personally. And so I I thought this was a good episode because it allows Carter to come off really strong and capable, but at the same time, not unrealistically so. Like, if all the villains were working in perfect tandem, he wouldn't have been able to pull it off alone. But because the villains are scattered and fighting amongst themselves he's able to pull off some incredible things in this episode, and it's like he gets to be this super badass, but again, it's in this context that makes sense.
0: Right, and then Bansheera basically keeps Diabolico in check and tells them, listen, you know, you guys can both, you guys can, you know, play fair. That's all I'm asking. And uh, in doing so, Carter gets the opportunity to, like, whoop uh, Olympias' ass and freezer uh, with his new Thermoblaster it's fine it's not bad it's interesting and it keeps it going I wouldn't see think that there's anything bad with it if like I was able to relate to the on-screen presence more like Olympias is fine Diabolico is fine Loki is okay but like Vipra's acting is bad so you can't really relate to Viper too much
1: but even, I just want to take you a step back. You just said it, like Olympias and Diabolico are both fine. We've had better villains than anyone that we have this season. Like, we do not have a particularly standout, incredible villain.
0: So, I would say that Diabolico and Olympias are the best ones. I say that they're fine right now. I think that they get even better as the season goes on, as the episodes yeah. go on. But this middle, I think it's just... Honestly, I'm just going to say it, like most television shows, what ends up happening is the beginning is really good, the end is really good, and the middle is hella sloppy. Yeah. Like, that's just how it is, and the, I think that the on-screen presence is what's lacking here, and it's mostly because of the acting skills of Vipra and not being able to, like, relate to the on-screen presence with, like, four of the characters, and one of them's a fucking statue. You know, like, what am I supposed to do there? It's like uh it's like strong it's like astronomer in uh lost Galaxy. How are we supposed to relate to astronomer when she's in her suit all the time? right <laughs> We get to the Next worst up we got episode. The, fucking,
1: the the crossover, and of course, we covered part one of this, and we also hinted about like what kind of happens in part two in our best and worst guide, best and worst episode, whatever I'm trying to say that you've probably already listened to, but uh, yeah, I, so let's just cover the the two parter together without going into too too much detail. But part one sucks is because
0: the... Leo, it's Leo focused. Like that's yes. the reason why it's on our worst guide. It's Leo focused. Leo was one of the worst rangers to focus on, especially towards the end because Leo was kind of the ones that did a no growth. Like yeah, talk about
1: Goku, but like not lovable at all. Right? Yeah. So very uninteresting character. And also, like, this just this whole crossover with the previous season thing, it's a trope that we know that they're going to do every season. So the fact that you're expecting it maybe even doesn't help you to necessarily always have the warmest feelings to it. But I try to be like, you know, oh, yeah, it could be fun. And, like, last season it was fun. Um, It was super fun, actually. And season before that, it was pretty fun, even though... It was crossing over with Turbo.
0: (laughs) The whole season was super
1: fun because it was
0: crossing over with Turbo, yeah. You
1: know? Um, So, a crossover, you know, the, 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 the traditional, like, three quarters of the way through the season crossover with the previous season can be a good thing, even if it is a little bit of a silly trope that we know is coming. This one just isn't, though. It's just awkward on a lot of levels. Also, it really gives the impression that the Lost Galaxy Rangers... Stuck ass and did not like defeat Trakina in a meaningful way at all.
0: Yeah, Trakina is also kind of bad in this one. Part two is better though, part two for sure. Part- and part two is because everybody's acting skills improved except Leo. Like the minute you yeah. introduce Kendrick, you're like, Oh, Pog, dude, Kendrick's, yeah. And then you're like, Oh, Kai, oh, like the rest of them, yeah, woo, Damon, you're back, woo. You know Damon's cool
1: again. Yeah, like... Damon's Damon's like swaggering and hitting on Dana and shit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, want to come over it's... to my world? I'll show you a whole new world. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, that was uh, that was that was good stuff. That was good stuff. I loved it. Yeah, part two was great. Like that was easily like an eight. I wouldn't say it was like fantastic, just cause like Trakina sucks and Leo sucks. But everybody else was pretty good that episode. That made me me consider like, wait, I think we actually need to go back to Lost Galaxy and watch some of those episodes that we might have skipped over. Because maybe we're like missing some good performances, maybe? I would hope so. (laughs) Um, But I still, part one is not only on the worst because of Leo's acting, but then I just remembered just how much I hate Lost Galaxy. Like, I'm like, nah, dude, yeah. like, Lost Galaxy was actually kind of bad.
1: In general, yeah. I
0: felt like, I think I overvalued it, but we'll see, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll revisit the score and everything when we do uh, our revisits on the filler and stuff. But yeah, that definitely had me do a double take on some of the other Rangers, but no, Leo's still bad.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: The last Ranger is Dana's strongest episode.
1: Yes, this is a good one. This is a real, this is like might be a 10 episode. Like another one that was definitely on my mind a little bit when I was thinking about best and worst.
0: Yeah, I think I was at like nine and a half when I was thinking, that I was thinking about this episode. It's really good. Uh, another situation where like four of the rangers get captured, it's up to Dana to rescue them. Except the kind of twist in this one is that it's kind of a clip show. And I think that this was the reason why some of those episodes were skipped initially because I was just like oh right dude so they were using this episode as a crutch to skip the early episodes but I was like I would hate it if someone told me later on that actually Trial by Fire is one of the best episodes and you cut it because the last Ranger was here and offered a clip show of it. And think about what the fuck we're saying right now. We're saying that a clip show is a yes. nine and a half.
1: It's good. <laughs> 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 like it's it, it has some of the same appeal as the incredible memory last episode in In Space.
0: Yes, with TJ, except this whole yes. Rangers and then even a chance of, like, Carter pulling off the TJ type of performance, believably. And potentially going bad. Or no, not going bad, but just, like, having the natural instinct to do good. Yeah, so... Right, Carter-
1: yeah, it's, it's like, you get that same kind of thing where it was, like, TJ couldn't help himself but to be heroic to some extent, you get a little of that with the whole team this time, which is just kind of a fun thing. They could have played it up more, honestly, and then it really would have been like like an 11, you know? Yeah. Like if they, really, if they really just went all in on these characters and how each one of them is actually so noble that they would just choose this again with almost no information.
0: And Dana, the crazy you know? part about this one isn't the fact of like, trial by fire or even dana's cut episode where it was up to dana to do something or in carter's instance it was like carter's carter's ability to like improve himself as time went on this particular solo episode dana had to run a solo rescue mission by herself yeah and she did it amazingly fantastic episode just the fact that it's a clip show though and like i said I think that this episode was used as a reason to cut the earlier filler episodes. And I would have been really upset had I found out later on, like years from now, when we revisit the season to be like, wow, we sure did miss a lot of pogged out fucking episodes. I am big mad.
1: (laughs) Speaking of pogged out episodes. Next up is another really strong one. Sorcerer of the Sands. This is one of the, the best villain episodes, I think. And it's also just a good episode. Queen Bansheera is like, Yo, Olympias, get it together, or I'm giving the powers back to Diabolico. Yeah, that's right. You fucking heard me. And Olympius is like, What? You can't do that. That's crazy. And Queen <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And so Olympias is like, No, got his you back can't on get them.
0: my dad pregnant. Stop. Stop <laughs>
1: saying that. Just... Olympias is like, Got his, he's got his back on the ropes. Has to like come up with like an extravagant plan to try to get the Rangers, and he does. It's like we haven't had like a like a Shadow World type place in a while, and that's exactly what it's literally called the Shadow World in this episode. Yeah,
0: I I mentioned Yu Gi Oh vibes, but yeah, nah, straight up like this is hell, and they just call it the Shadow Realm for kids style.
1: <laughs> Olympias gets Jinxer to give him the key to the Shadow World. There's this guy called what is it? The Gatekeeper, who is like this sort of guide. He's sort of like a he's a kind of like a Charon, in a way or something like that, like the infernal boatman type character. You know,
0: <laughs> I I actually hate this part, and I don't understand why you love this part so much.
1: I thought it was fun. I, I, I this is like a probably only an 8 episode, but it was like I it's thought it was an
0: excessively problematic episode.
1: Yeah. At the least.
0: It's a bunch of like white guys doing brown looks... face.
1: Oh yeah, there's a lot of This is a black face in this episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, nah, there's heavy there's heavy brown face happening here. It's like, not oh, good. Oh, they gotta look tan, dude. Yeah,
1: it's not good. It's not good at all. Um, but yeah. I still, ignoring the problematic and goofy aspects, it's still a pretty fun episode. The gatekeeper is be- a really cool looking character. I-, I like just
0: don't understand why like like they do the brown face, but then the sorcerer who's like interacting with the 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 underworld. It's like that one. Uh, what's that one genie? That's in the, in those like machines that could tell your fortune or whatever, or maybe guess, guess what it's in your mind or guess what you're thinking about or something like that. You never did that.
1: Oh yeah. What is that? I can't think of the name of that. It is, it's very, oh God, the problematic parts of this episode are really problematic. (laughs) (laughs) This is the, this is as racist as the. Power Rangers has been in, like, a few seasons.
0: That's what I'm like, why are you saying that this is, like, a But it's fucking- a fun <laughs>
1: episode! I mean, we've... All throughout the making of Sentai Truth, or we've had to overlook some weird <laughs> shit at times. You're right. Um, I
0: think this one, though... The, the only reason why I'll give you this one is because, like, it's kind of played up for jokes in a way that's, like, is joking against the white man because, like although the white man is doing brown face it's like almost fourth wall breaking at how like they treat that guy on screen and what they have him do it's like let's embarrass this dude so he he can never get another acting job again like that that's literally it it's like kind of like let's expose a racist today (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) on a kid's show It's, like, almost that style thing. Because, like, as soon as he has the orb, right, and he's like, oh, the rangers are in the underworld or whatever. And they're they're doing the, the end of this episode, he's, like, doing this spell and Diabolico just owns him. But, like, as he's doing this spell, he's, like, speaking, like, Merlin Kingdom Hearts ass spells out. As he's saying it, like, just those type of chants. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then Diabolico is just like, shut the fuck up. and kills him. And I'm like, nice. That guy is dead. Owned. Yeah. He's just Diabolico did a praxis. Them. Actually, Diabolico based?
1: Based. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, the more I remember this episode, it is. A little worse in my mind. But let me tell you one of the reasons why this episode is super pog though, and you gotta agree. Okay. That Zord fight though. With the three monsters, and then they have the super train megazord and the lightspeed solar zord. Yes. It's not a super lo- long Zord fight, but it is really pog.
0: Yes. It is a really pog episode where they all group up and it is like a really hard fought fight.
1: Um, yeah. Despite Just not that- having much length. That big brawl with the two Zords and the three monsters is just like a really—that's just hype.
0: Yeah, it is. It is really hype. I will give you that. That's what I'm saying. I'll still give you the eight. Like I might, I might complain. It might even be a
1: seven. It might even be a seven. Yeah. Uh,
0: Actually, I'm gonna say what drags this down a little bit further is Ryan. Every episode that takes place in like Egypt or like somewhat Egypt-ish culture-wise location. It has, like, Ryan involvement, and Ryan's also yeah. kind of bad. So this is, like, there's, a seven.
1: There's a lot of weird Egypt stuff this season.
0: Yeah, definitely some uh, Yu-Gi-Oh stuff at play. Yeah. I mean,
1: especially <laughs> with the cards, right? Right? Yeah, it's literally monster cards.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that, speaking of, that's some uh, foreshadowing that happens, actually, later on. Olympia wow, we're already catching we're like fuck we've been pogging out for like this long and we're already at the end of the season. I'm like, no, I thought there was war. (laughs) Olympius unbound. This is when Olympius becomes a Chad for a hot minute. Yeah. He thinks he's hot shit. He lifted he made some gains. He went to the gym.
1: This is an interesting one too, because this is really a struggle between Captain Mitchell and Miss Fairweather.
0: I forgot about that. I was so Captain focused Mitchell's on Olympias.
1: Brainwashed, Yeah, Captain Mitchell's brainwashed and he's helping Olympias. He's feeding him power. So um, I want to comment. And, I got to comment yeah. on
0: Olympias and the reason why I, I'm, no, no, making, go ahead. Yeah. I'm making some allusions here it's because Olympias has he has this fruity and complex with his mother. It is to the point where like this man escapes from hell escapes from hell this episode becomes this all-powerful monster just to get owned again by his trappings of his love for his mother.
1: Well, and also, you know, he gets owned, like I said, by this, this drama that he can't control between Captain Mitchell and Miss Fairweather where Captain Mitchell's brainwashed, but Miss Fairweather's not.
0: Yeah, this is actually a really important episode too because the monster, I actually brought up that Yu-Gi-Oh reference just in time because the monster card was used to infiltrate the base. Yeah. And this has happened one what time... A, what a
1: wild episode. <laughs> yeah.
0: This this has happened one time before where uh, they were going to infiltrate the base using Olympias, who could transform into other people, but then they caught on. And this episode, though... Uh, the monster maker has like a bat card because he ran out of monster cards, so he ran out of trick. This is the closest to Mighty Morphin Season 1 Doomsday, I felt.
1: Yo, I just gotta say it since you brought it up. That Zord that Goldar drives in Doomsday is still one of the coolest things I've ever seen in the show.
0: It's because it's an Ava, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it looks like a fucking (laughs) Gundam or something. Yeah, it looks like an Ava for sure.
0: Yeah, nah this This was a pretty this is a this is a really good one too. This was like a nine, yeah, uh, I really liked Olympias Unbound what what was it about miss fairweather and cap and captain mitchell
1: well she she ends up being it's like she's trying to like stop him somehow and like she ends up being the one to interrupt the power feed. and that's what destroys the star power ultimately like, is the fact that the power feed gets interrupted. and it's just this whole thing of like can Miss Fairweather kind of like outsmart the situation. It's just kind of a Miss Fairweather episode to some extent, but just kind of low key of like what is Miss Fairweather capable of? Can she kind of outsmart this situation, stay safe and like stop this?
0: Miss Fairweather was a sixth ranger replacement for Ryan.
1: Yeah, I kind of wish she'd been the the sixth ranger actually. I was that I was kind of hoping for that initially that like That's what it we was were talking about. Out. With the
0: titanium ranger, like as soon as Ryan got it, immediately we were like, no, a woman should have got it. Like, what? And it's not to say, like, you know, oh, whatever, you know, diversity or something like that, but it's more or less like, it's fucking boring. Like, even if you get rid of like, ooh, the SJW argument or whatever about it, it is fucking boring to just have white dude with some variant of white boy hair at the time. Be, yeah. be a fucking six ranger. That's we've kind of had the
1: same six ranger like three or four seasons in a row now. It just sucks at this point. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, just give me something new.
1: Yeah, How agreed. Cool would it, like, um,
0: I don't think it would have been cool to make Viper in particular be the six ranger, but I digress. Like, still, you know, just give me something different. And Miss Fairweather, Fairweather could have been. Yeah, Miss Fairweather could have definitely been a six ranger
1: that was the natural choice because she's she's proves herself as like very competent she gets the tech you know like she just kind of gives off like billy at his best energy a lot it would have been almost like a realization of like the failure of uh zeo you know like let's have that that person who's developing the technology step in with their like secret super weapon they've been developing and that, like, nobody else can even figure out how to, like, safely use.
0: Carter couldn't handle the Titanium Ranger. How cool would it have been had Miss Fairweather been able to big-brain her way into being able to wield the Titanium power?
1: Yeah. And, I mean, what a good subversion if it's just, like, oh... You know, Carter's not strong enough, but Miss Fairweather is. And it doesn't matter that she's a woman, that she doesn't look as physically strong as Carter. That's not what it's about.
0: Miss Fairweather you know? could have stolen the titanium morpher and disguised herself as a guy so she'd be respected around the workplace
1: as that a ranger. Would have been, I'm sure they would not have been willing to go that far with it, but that would have been a plot. <laughs> 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 um, so at this point the season starts to kind of wind down with Wrath of the Queen. So the star power was destroyed. And um, a lot of times in Power Rangers, there's sort of a pivotal point near the end of the season where it suddenly becomes clear that the Rangers can win this. And that's the destruction of the star power for sure. From here on out, the villains are a lot more desperate the Rangers are two to an extent, but ultimately the villains just don't, no longer seem to really have the momentum to win necessarily. But they give it their all at the end, of course, and they do bring the Rangers kind of to their knees before it's over, starting with Wrath of the Queen. This is another, they really like this this season. This is another, all the Rangers are trapped but one, it's Carter again, he's got to save the day, and uh, he ends up in a, in a showdown with Queen Bansheera. And Queen Bansheera kills Viper and Loki just straight up. Yep. By the way. Yep. But uh, Carter's able to uh, power up a bunch and win. So. <laughs> With his battle booster! Battle booster!
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that insane shit.
1: Queen Bansheera killing Viper and Loki is nuts. That's so, that's so wild. Yeah. Wrath
0: of the Queen was very interesting just because, like, the Queen is ruthless in this episode. It's a good episode. It's not bad. It's an 8 out of 10. I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's just more or less like, the Queen, dog. Like, yeah, the Queen's not good. It's not a good yeah. character. She's just okay, and the problem is, is she's given a lot of screen time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of the reason that she's just okay is she's not given enough screen time early on. So we don't really know why we're supposed to care about her that much. Yeah. So she just kind of shows up at the end and it's like, yes, I'm the big baddie. And it's like, okay, but what's cool about you and what's interesting about you? And it's like, no, actually, we're not going to get into that. She's just the big baddie. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... It's a good episode because Carter is good, but it's not a great episode. Then you have Rise of the Super Demons, which is the final encounter with Olympias. Well, really, it's, it starts with Diabolico and Olympius showdown is really where it, things kind of started off. This was great.
0: <laughs> I love this part.
1: Yeah. Um, it's like and Wild they have a Wild West showdown new...
0: sort, of, sort of deal.
1: They have a new Megazord. It looks a lot like the the other Solar Zord, but this one's different, I guess.
0: I don't like it. Um, So <laughs> that, that new Megazord that they have, they use it quite a bit. There was a 3D animation of it that was revealed at the end of episodes that didn't quite look like the other Zords. And then it eventually revealed itself in one of the more recent episodes that we talked about. And the cool thought part about it is that it has a javelin. Like, it yeah. pogs out with the javelin. Like, it's able to it, fight with
1: it. It's pretty cool. That's a saving grace. I liked the Solar Zord's design somewhat well. And, like, it's just kind of frustrating to have a Zord that looks almost exactly the same, but just kind of worse.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the problem.
1: Like, that that Zord is pretty cool looking. And it, it's actually, like, I thought the whole thing of it being covered in solar panels was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, But, the yeah, it's like, It's the same thing again, but less good. Yeah, unfortunate. The Rise of the Super Demons ultimately is like a little bit of a just whatever episode to some extent. But it it definitely just kind of builds up towards this ending, which is like the city is under assault by really strong demons. And they have this plan and they're they're trying to defeat the Rangers for real and like end this. And it's like. You're reaching the point where it's like one side or the other is going to win here in the near future because the other side is going to be destroyed. And both sides are just like putting all the chips on the table. And that leads us into the finale, the fate of light speed. This is the best Power Rangers finale ever so far. I don't
0: think there's <laughs> anything bad.
1: I think that if there's any failing of it, it's just that at times... There's a few parts where they don't pursue like the the fullest interests, but it's so, it's hard to even complain about because it's really really good. I think the underwater scenes
0: when they were being like trapped in the aqua base were a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I think that was the. St- I think some of that was pretty strong, especially towards the end of part one. Beginning of part two maybe drags a little. Yeah,
0: that's what I was saying. The part two, yeah, a drag.
1: but end of part one, that's brilliant like yeah 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 yeah. so so basically this kicks off with ryan is out doing secret op shit and he's trying to get that key that um opened the shadow world before uh and like prevent it from falling into enemy hands again and credit to the actor he actually does a really good job with this scene ryan is like in a video call with him he's like y'all i found the key I'm going to try to get this back right away. Hopefully with this, we can prevent them from doing the really bad stuff they have in mind. And then he's like, like kind of like the video's kind of cutting out and he's kind of looking over a little and he's like, "Uh, I'll see you guys soon or something. And like, it's like just cutting out and they're like, wait, Ryan, what's going on? Is everything okay? And it's just like out. And like from that beginning, you get the impression that things are going to be rough and they are because almost, The next thing you know, so, like, after the last two episodes, the rangers, a lot of their tools and shit are kind of damaged. Some of their zords are non-functional. And they're just trying to recover. Um, And what happens while they're there trying to recover? Queen Bansheera, she's planning to, like, basically cut open a portal to hell on Earth in Mariner Bay. And then simultaneously, she sends a special ops attack into the aqua base and invades the aqua base at the same time and so the rangers are trapped in the aqua base that is under siege um and the minions steal the zord one of the zords and the zord is fucking up the aqua base and the rangers are trying to like evacuate people and meanwhile this isn't even the most important thing going on because Queen Banshee is going to open up a fucking portal to hell in downtown. <laughs> it's nuts.
0: Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> I was just thinking of like, I love almost every single time that somebody unleashes a portal to hell. I love that when they do it really well. And in this one, they did do it really well. And I was just thinking, man, like reminds me of Yu Yu Hakusho. It was so good. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I I don't really um, have too much to complain about. And like when the ship is getting fucked up by the minions, Captain Mitchell is like uh he has going like a down break. with the ship. Yeah, he has a complete yeah. mental breakdown where he's like gonna commit like suicide via staying with the ship.
1: There's there's this amazing part. He's like, where my life Mr. is Fairweather over. Fairweather like turns to Captain Mitchell and she's like, what do you do? What do we do? Should we evacuate? What's your order? And Captain Mitchell's just, like, staring at this screen. And Miss Fairweather's like, Captain Mitchell. And he's just staring at this screen. She's like, Captain Mitchell. And he's just staring, middle distance, blank stare, you know? And she just looks, she just stands up, and she just starts ordering everyone around. She's like, fuck it. And, like, that's just an amazing scene on every level. (laughs) Yeah. Like, just all the characters really just showing their best. And it ends, it ends with, they evacuate pretty much everyone out of the station. But Captain Mitchell, like you were saying, he's like not sure if he wants to go. He's like, maybe I should just go down with the ship. Like, everything seems so fucked. You know, just like depression spiral shit. Um, And in part, in part because of like that everybody ends up hanging behind like all the, the Rangers and Miss Fairweather end up hanging behind a little too long. And they all end up trapped in one of the pods. And it, it ends with like Kelsey and Chad, like sit next to each other and like hold hands. And everyone's just like looking like fucking terrified. And then they look and like one of the windows to the water outside is just cracking as they're just like standing there wondering what the fuck they're going to do. And that's the end of part one. just, so much drama. Incredible. Yeah, it is it is pretty <gasps> insane. I, I love it. Part two opens the Life Force Megazord still attacking the Aquabase. Um, Bansheera's got her monsters and the Omega Megas laying the stones for the evil ceremony. There's this kind of like touching the scene as like some of the characters kind of like worry about what what can possibly be done. And like Chad and Kelsey, like, this is like this sort of pinnacle of like their friendship that has been sort of played up this whole season is like in this moment of them kind of like trying to like find some hope in this hopeless situation and like this fairweather and joel have like a similar thing which miss fairweather is like joel if we find a way out of here i'll go on a date with you and he's like oh shit I got it. I gotta stay alive.
0: <laughs> no, but like the important part is like at first Joel is like stop fucking with my feelings. Like, yeah, he's straight up like now is not the time to play. Like I know we we flirt around at work and stuff like that, but now is really not the time. Like our lives and, are in danger. She's like, no, I'm being serious. Please, let's and, go.
1: Yeah, to 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 the credit of like the Miss Fairweather character, it's like she kind of reveals that you know, like I, it's not that I've never been interested in you. You know, like, it's just been all these other things, like, you being a goofball and us being involved in this dangerous shit, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, it's really sweet. It was a really yeah. nice touch because, like, low-key, she was, like, highly playing with his feelings. Because, like, yeah. he would be let down and then she would immediately, like, just go back to, like, fucking with him again. I'm like, come on. Don't do that to her, brother. <laughs>
1: Uh, I think it was that I think you know she kind of took it as like okay you want to play this flirting game I'll play it too
0: yeah (laughs) I think he was just really serious about it like he was like yeah let's go let's go on this date let's go on a relationship I don't think he was like on a front but I think she wanted to know if he was serious or not but I think by the time it's like episode 40 yeah no episode 40 uh, literally uh, I'm like right. this is that moment where I was like I was literally Joel in this situation. I was like, please, stop. Stop it already. Like, stop with the continued joke. Now is not the time. And then Joel literally said it. And then I was like, cool. And then she was like, no, 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 I'm serious. And I was like, neat. And then Joel's like, hell yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm with it. Cool. <laughs> that was a good resolution um,
1: there. The Power Rangers are trying to figure out what the fuck to do. The, the, the station isn't going to last much longer. It's going to be destroyed, and they're just going to drown if they can't like, find a way out of here. But they, they start getting resourceful, and they realize that by swimming a short distance, they can reach a bay where they keep a submarine. So they get to the submarine bay. Every, they get everybody over there. Dana is the one who figures this out, by the way. Props to Dana. Um, or at least is the one to start to figure this out. That there's a, there's a way out of here. They all get on the submarine, and they start lowering it on a crane, but then the fucking bat uh, minions Batlings? Batlings Yeah, yeah. I just checked um, <laughs> The Batlings Attack the crane And the submarine They can't lower it Into the water And they're like Oh my god Are we just sitting here In a tin can Waiting to die And Joel's like No, fuck that Let's fire torpedoes At the everything And blow up the base It's gonna get blown up anyway And fill this shit With water <laughs>
0: And then you can use the
1: submarine. It's a good um, idea. And so they they uh, destroy the hangar, flood the flood the one of the remaining base rooms, and take off in the submarine. They only barely make it out because the Megazord tries to stop them, but they manage to destroy or heavily damage the Megazord, uh, the Life Force Megazord that's there, destroying the base being controlled by the Battlings. But like as the Megazord like blows up. It also blows up the last of the Aquabase. It's over. It's gone. It's, it's definitely a bittersweet victory for the rangers because their options are running out. And uh, Queen Bansheera is still doing this ritual downtown.
0: She's using so, uh, the zords that were controlled by the minions to assemble the rocks in a particular ritual to un-
1: open the gates of hell onto to Earth. Carter, meanwhile, had taken off way before this to look for Ryan and to try to help Ryan with his side of things. And at this point, it's that it's uh, Carter finally meets up with Ryan and he rescues Ryan, who's at the time being held by Queen Bansheera. The bad guys are basically celebrating and they're getting ready to start the ritual. And Carter and Ryan have to like go ham and just like battle their way through Queen Bansheera's entire temple of minions and then like defeat her. The action um, sequences
0: in this are insane.
1: Just insane. So really much fucking martial arts combat.
0: So so much good martial arts combat too. None of that like yes. stilted shit from like Mighty Morphin.
1: Yes. Probably like I mean the biggest twist here. So the uh, the rest of the Rangers eventually show up to help. And uh the big twist is that Diabolico's spirit em- appears. And at first, the Rangers are like, oh, fuck, Diabolica is going to fuck us up, too. Uh, He's going to make this worse, just as we're about to win. And Diabolica is like, yes, I'm here to help. Help the Rangers. Fuck you, Queen Bansheera. Heady to the very
0: end. You love to see it.
1: And uh, at that point, once Diabolico appears and says he's going to help the rangers, that's when Bansheera basically realizes that she's going to lose. And the rangers just kind of, they seal her up in that fucking tomb, take the golden key with them. And as long as that golden key never falls into the wrong hands, she's done forever, basically.
0: Now that there's no more demons in the world, what do they do? The rangers return their morphers to go resume a normal life again.
1: Yeah, because you don't need that power all the time. You only need it when it's necessary. Um, you don't need a actively standing military with bases all over the world. You could just, uh, you could just leave behind some of the tools for later if you need them again.
0: <laughs> yeah, and as they give back to General the Morphers and everything, uh, Joel is about to go on that date, Miss Fairweather. She rolls up in her car. She's like, Joel, come on. Joel's coming in the passenger seat and everything. And he's like, "Hell yeah." And then what happens? Boom, a big explosion happens. And the Rangers are like, "Ah."
1: And they shit. the Rangers see a fire truck taking off down towards this big cloud of smoke. And the Rangers just look at each other and they're like, well, "Let's let's do it." And they start taking off. And Captain Mitchell's like, "Wait, you didn't even take your morphers." The Rangers are like, "Fuck it. Just run off towards the fire." And Joel, even Joel, who I must point out, the rest of the rangers are still wearing their light speed rescue jackets as they turn in their morphers. and They're being ultra sentimental about it. And Joel's just like, yeah, here's my morpher. I want to get the fuck out of here and go on this date. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but even Joel, when he sees everybody taking off towards this big fire, is like, I got to go too. And they all just run off to go do rescue work. And that's just like the perfect cap to everything, really, is like them turning in the morphers saying, listen, we don't need this. We don't need this excessive power anymore, but this is still who we are. We are, we are here for the residents of Mariner Bay. We are here to keep people safe. We are here to save lives and do as much good as we can. Just what a, what a beautiful ending.
0: Yeah. This is another 10. So let's go ahead and let's do Ranger rankings before we talk about the season. I think earlier as we were discussing it, I think I always held Dana below Kelsey. Dana, it it really bears on the strength of Dana's one episode where it's the clip show, and she's saving the rest of the Rangers, versus Kelsey being pretty good on screen throughout the whole show. Yeah, but we're talking like this is like C tier. I think this is like mid C tier levels of acting. Who who would you who would you put? Who's the bottom two? Would you say? Well, you the bottom is Ryan. You well yeah.
1: Yeah, Ryan's, Ryan's the worst ranger This After that, I'm going to say it is probably Dana. Yeah. Um, she's a little stiff with the acting sometimes, more so than some of the others. And also, like her character just isn't given that much unique definition. There's um, really
0: no answer. There's still no clear answer as to why she's a ranger. Other than nepotism. Because she had to battle that from the get. That she's a ranger because she is the dad's. She, her dad is the captain. Right? That's why she's a ranger. So she's had to battle nepotism. But unfortunately it doesn't seem like. With the episodes that we were given. Like outside of maybe one episode. Demonstrating her capability of doing that. I don't think her, her personality. Puts her as like a, as much of a role model. As the rest of the rangers per se maybe that doesn't matter i don't know but also like i think her facial expressions is also very stiff too at times
1: yeah i think if you if you had to try to sum up all the various power Rangers in like three to five words you can do that and give like a good compelling description of each one and like what makes them interesting and special but you can't do that for dana or ryan Right. Yeah, Ryan just, yeah, have, Ryan just, just has like characters. reasons
0: to not like him and like there's n- absolutely no reasons to like really like him outside of the fact <laughs> yeah, that not really. Like, outside of the fact that the Titanium Ranger power is really cool, but that's not Ryan, right? That's Sentai footage for the most part. I'm going to say uh it's probably Ryan then Dana then Kelsey. Kelsey suffers from lack of screen time also like her origin story wasn't that good. Yeah. It's fine, um,
1: but it wasn't that good. After that I guess it would be Chad
0: solely solely because of screen time.
1: Yes. Yes, if if and and I, Chad I, Chad should have been the TJ, I want to be clear. Chad should have been the TJ of the season. He should have been given like an active like shadow leader role and like really given some more like time to shine in that kind of way and he would have been the best character this season.
0: Chad has the potential to be above everyone else, so yeah, I'm gonna place him as like I would honestly. I might even just place him in A. Like the little screen time we do have with Chad is always a pleasure. I'm never, I'm never not liking Chad on screen, so I'm willing to place him like low A for in that case. Then you know,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure, really good. We're like as we divide up these top few rangers, we're extremely splitting hairs between. Good actors and good characters both.
0: And I have an idea about Chad because there's an episode towards the end of the season that I got a like, next time on Power Rangers Lightspeed Speed Rescue on. And it was like a Chad focused mm-hmm. episode, but it wasn't a part of the filler guide, but it was like past the, the episodes that were redeemed. You know, I like, saw
1: hey, one like that for Dana that we skipped that we should also revisit. Yeah. That's like more about her like interest in medicine and stuff. But so, anyway,
0: I think I think that there's potential for Chad to get up higher. But yeah, he's low A. He's a yeah. fantastic actor. I have no problems with Chad. Just lack of screen time. That, if he got another
1: episode, just like one more episode that was as strong as the fucking kung fu masterpiece up to the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's After really that, hard. Me, that episode's like yeah. really fucking good.
1: <laughs> it's one of the best. So it's, yeah. After that, for me, it's got to be Carter and then Joel's on top.
0: It's really the difference between Trial by Fire and Omega Project. That's literally the Carter and the Joel episode.
1: Yeah. I also think Joel just got consistent screen time and characterization throughout the season. Where, like, he didn't even need that much, like, focused Joel shit. Because it was like, the Joel thing is always going on a little bit. And he just really got to shine as a character. And the actor did a really good job. And so I just thought, like, Joel just, like, being around a lot and, like, his whole thing with Miss Fairweather and, like, some of his other, like, goofy shenanigans were just always really good and enjoyable. And I just really liked him all the time. Carter was a really consistent, strong, amazing hero. But he was, if I'm going to give him any, dock him for anything, he was just occasionally a little too typical a little too just sort of perfect hero guy um and joel was just a more diverse character you know just a more unique character
0: i think this is this is going to be a point of contention for us because (laughs) when you say that i just think of like trial by fire when he messed up in there cyborg rangers when he got angry that he got replaced by the cyborg rangers there was moments where, like, uh, when he was when he had the drop on the Titanium Ranger, and he had to go against Captain Mitchell again the second time in like ten episodes. It was a point of contention between him and Captain Mitchell. There was important character development there between, like, it would be something like, like it would be like LeBron James and the coach, right? Like the difference between the two, between yeah. Captain Mitchell and Carter. And I think that that dynamic adds to Carter. And propels him from what would be an A, Red Ranger, who's just a bit too typical, to an S tier. I think Joel is fantastic. I love Joel. I think he has great on-screen presence. One thing he's really good at is improv. He's really, really good at improv. The only issue I have with Joel is that sometimes he's too one-note. Especially about that
1: Miss Fairweather stuff.
0: Sometimes that stuff does drag.
1: I think I feel the same way as you, but about Carter, you know, it's like just Carter was just occasionally to one note for me. But again, like both these characters are really good, like it's really good like Carter. It's like Carter is like it's a game of interest. He's kind of like TJ again. Like he has he's he's like one of those characters that just brings that pure noble spirit that almost. Is is almost like unbelievable, but yet like is rooted in just enough of a realistic, actually, actually like character that you can relate to that it totally works and he sells it. He really, he really is like only TJ has done better at being this type of character in my opinion. Um, yeah, and I, I think, I think what-
0: here's the problem with Carter. Here's what drags Carter a like literally a hair lower than Joel for me is that. Carter didn't have a good foil. Joel had a natural foil in Miss Fairweather in the like off Ranger times. And then he had other relationship dynamics that kept him busy throughout the season. Carter literally, his only like team dynamics because he is the leader is with like the major team dynamics is with Captain Mitchell and how he deals with that.
1: But Um, outside of that, it's like Joel. Kind of pairs up with Miss Fairweather, Um, Dana and Ryan pair up, which is actually a really interesting. They really should have done more with this. Yes, because a Pink Ranger and a Six Ranger having like a strong and interesting dynamic could have been so much cooler. That isn't romantic. Um, Yeah, hopefully. Um, Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so like they're kind of paired up to play off each other a little bit, and then. Chad and Kelsey have their really important friendship that we've talked about over and over again. And so where that doesn't really leave anyone for Carter to really play off that much.
0: Yeah, cuz I just, think it was it, supposed it doesn't to be do him Ryan. Any favors. I mean, there was it was I think it was supposed to be Ryan, but then they realized that Ryan sucked ass. So they were like, yeah, yeah let's actually like axe Ryan from half the season. And just bring him in here and there. Which yeah. is like the Zane type of approach, but Zane also had better episodes. Yeah. And Zane's presence mattered more other than being a bystander, I felt, most of the time, when you turned to good. So yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of unfortunate. But yeah, I will say, uh, I'll, I will give it to Joel. I do think, I still think that the Miss Fairweather stuff does get a little one note, but hey.
1: It, it does at times, but I still think it's a good thing overall. I also think Joel does a really good job of acting as a stand-in for the audience in some crucial moments and that ultimately makes him one of the most relatable characters this season and i think that especially helps to edge him out like joel feels the most like the character that you feel like as the audience you might be if you were like a goofball trying to be a power ranger you know Like, I'm just some schmuck, too, you know? (laughs) Like And, like, Joel just gives off that energy sometimes, but not in a way that degrades him as a person or makes him seem actually less competent when it counts. Like, they really they balance that well. It's just a really... He's just a really well-realized character, and that's why I just have to give him the win just barely.
0: Yeah. Like, we're literally talking about, like, some of the greats. That's
1: how I see it. This season... Amazing.
0: All right. Well, Um, now that we've talked about it for (laughs) I don't know how long, I literally haven't even been measuring the time. Um, (laughs) Over two hours. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. Well, we're getting to our season conclusion, so it's about time. (laughs) It's about time you showed up. It's about time. You're the only hope for our world. All right. So, Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue. Kennedy, what is your review, and what would you rate it?
1: Um, Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue is Power Rangers attempting to take a step in a completely bold and nude direction, and it works on so many levels. I really like just the fact that this the- season is themed around rescue and rescue work. And like they used the Zord to like save people from danger and stuff sometimes. Like they didn't just use it to fight, Ka- all those kind of aspects. I think really elevate the ideas of this season. Um it really makes the Power Rangers into something more unique than just another superhero group to have them in this light. This is one of the most just incredible like examples of what this show can be that we've seen so far. I have to give this season a 9.5. Um, and the only reason that I'm docking at some points, well, there's a few things, but I think like the good is so good that it outweighs some of this. But there, are, there is kind of a laundry list of small problems. The imperialism is weird. There's a, a a few episodes that have some racism and sexism in them. There's definitely a little bit of like overly cheesing acting that kills a few scenes here and there, and that's unfortunate because. It's a show with some kind of serious themes. And it's just unfortunate to have some of those themes get like downplayed by mediocre acting. And I would say in particular, what's most egregious is like the snake tattoo shit. That arc is a really powerful metaphor that could have been used so well and was just a letdown. (laughs) And then last but not least is just the villains this season kind of sucked across the board and were not that interesting compared to previous seasons, and the villains have always been a highlight of this show until now. Even Power Rangers Turbo had interesting villains that we like to talk about. I don't really like talking about this season's villains. So with that in mind, it's like a 9 leaning to 9.5. It's so close to being this, like, thing where you could forgive all the flaws, but occasionally the flaws stack up and just ruin an episode.
0: I think I find it tough because like we we've been recording for over two hours now, and like we've been actively like giving like scores here and there for all of these episodes and i and like I feel like the average episode right the average quality of episode that's in Lightspeed rescue is so high that it's kind of just like, well what is a ten then right like what is it because like I we... would
1: say a ten is literally just this with a better acting director, you know, a better acting coach on the sidelines. Yeah. And this could have been a 10. Um, and maybe also someone's bringing a different writer for the villain team, you know, and like take that in a slightly different direction. You if- do that, suddenly I really have, I really have nothing to say.
0: If I was a kid watching this show on television, this would be a 10. I think because we have, you know, hindsight and we're in the year 2021, it's kind of skewing our vision in how we rate these seasons because we know what's coming up, right? The next season's time force. So like, <laughs> we, we have high expectations of the seasons coming up and we know that the seasons coming up are supposedly supposed to be better than this. But I think if you're looking for, if you point to me and you say, what is a season that I, you can wholeheartedly recommend to someone off the street to be like, that's Power Rangers not have to be like caveat 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 we can just go this is lightspeed rescue you will love this yeah whereas like we can't say that about in space because realistically like partially some of the reason why we like in space is the fact that it is a sequel to turbo and that it has tj and some of this other stuff and that sort of stuff does carry on into the enjoyment of in space admittedly yeah um I'm eager to see what's to come from here. I think if I was a kid and I was watching this television show, this is a 10. This is the closest we've seen to socialist Power Rangers so far. I'm happy that they abandoned plot ties to the fascist regime and in Lost Galaxy and just went back to Command Economy Earth, thankfully. <laughs> yes. So I'm eager to see what's coming up for Power Rangers going forward. I think... Because of that, I'm gonna I'm gonna hesitantly say that this is a nine and a half and just say like, hey, you know, I've I've constantly said like, oh, if you catch me on a good day, it's ten. No, no, no. Like, I'm well aware that like Time Force, Dino Thunder, RPM, some of these seasons that are coming up, even Beast Morphers I heard, is like fucking amazing and all this other shit. And this isn't the end of the in-between era of Zordon and Disney, right? This is like the the Saban era that's post Zordon, but not Disney acquiring it. So I think with that sort of hindsight, I'm giving it a nine and a half. Viper is still an issue. I think Viper's performance sucks. Ryan's performance um, is also a lot to be desired. Very stilted yeah. and stuff.
1: Well, and again, it's not just the disappointment of him; it's the disappointment that they haven't shaken up what they're doing with the Six Ranger in season.
0: I feel like this Six Ranger is like a Tommy Astronoma collab sort of thing built into one character, but just, like, unfortunately not well acted. And even they realized that kind of early on once they got through his plot. Because they were just like, yeah, let's, like, not. Let's not put him in this episode at all for, like, at least another 10, 15 episodes. Yeah. So like there's still those <laughs> issues but you also got like dude like we're fucking pogging for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Like Omega Project, Trial by Fire. Shit, even the 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 Titanium Ranger introduction from Deep in the Shadows uh up to the challenge. Just like a lot the opening like all of these episodes are like tens, elevens, twelves, setting bars <laughs> of like excellence that we've ne- never seen before in Power Rangers. That it's kind of hard to just be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna give it a nine, right? It's like, nah, it's it's greater, it's greater than that. So yeah, I'm gonna give it a nine and a half.
1: I think like it's hard, a little hard for me in my mind to decide if this is truly better in every way than Space, but It probably is. (laughs) We've got two TJs. We've got
0: TJ Red and TJ Blue.
1: Yeah. I just... It's still hard for me, though, to just... Like, the TJ Amnesia episode. I don't know if there was anything that quite eclipsed some moments like that. And also just some of the interplay between the team in that season. But we'll just have to rank... We'll just have to rank seasons at some point and really get into it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and for that, you can check us out on Patreon. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash truther So far, we've done the Zordon era all fully ranked. You'll be able to see it up there. We should have some more uh, Zordon era content, or at least other Patreon content, up by then. But uh, we record these episodes ahead of time, so that's just the magic—the magic of editing, baby. <laughs> Kennedy, did you have any closing comments on Lightspeed Rescue?
1: Watch it. <laughs> Go watch it. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, honestly, this is a season that I'm just gonna like buy on DVD and send it. Unfortunately, DVD and send it to uh, my son for him to watch that this is like an amazing season this is amazing children's television uh you should definitely watch it if you have any interest in power rangers or if you have a kid to be honest with you rangers thank you so much for listening if you liked what you heard please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on itunes and stitcher subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them and as always you can find kennedy and i on twitter I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.